The following is a teaching message from the chapel in Tiatatu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz. If you've been around the chapel for more than a few months, you will know that we tend to uh, preach through one book of the Bible or another. Uh, a few years ago, we started on Luke's Gospel. That took a couple of years and a bit. Um, then we went through the book of Acts, stopping along the way to look at James and Galatians and First and Second Thessalonians. And, um, in January, we tend to take a break for those four weeks of January and look at a particular book. So we did Ruth a few years ago, and this year we've done Jonah. So we finished off last year um, looking in Genesis. In fact, it's about a year and a half in Genesis so far. And if you know, Genesis is quite a long book, so there's a bit more to come. Um, but before we go back to Genesis, before we return to that, which we will do uh, beginning of next month, I really felt that there was something else that I needed to share um, in these three Sundays. Didn't know what it was, but I felt there was something. And so I kind of sat and uh, was waiting on God for what is it that I need to be thinking about and saying and speaking to. And um, three different Bible verses, basically, or very short passages came to mind. One of them was the uh, first verse, or one of the first verses I ever remember memorising a little around 50 years ago. Back then, it was in the King James, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Today I tend to go with the New International Version, the thief comes only to steal, and kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. So I've known that verse for over 50 years. But the older I get, I find this verse increasingly challenging and at times somewhat disturbing, if that's the right word. Jesus came to give me an abundant life, a full life. Now don't get me wrong, I am grateful for every blessing that God has given me in this life. It's been a good life so far. Good parents, a good wife, don't tell her I said that. <laughs> good children, lovely grandchildren, a lovely home, nice car, good friends. But is that really the abundance of life that Jesus came to give me? Over the years, I've been privileged to see many people come to faith and others grow in their faith and their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I've been a privilege to be part of that. I look back at the churches that I've pastored and the various other employment roles that I've had over the years. I think of all of the places I got to travel, particularly when I worked for Bible League. Many parts of the world and many of the amazing, incredible people that I got to meet in that time. And still I ask, is that really the abundant, the full life 
that Jesus came to give me. And I think again of the words of the song, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And nothing that I want to say this morning takes away from that. Mostly it's been a good life. When it hasn't, it's probably been my fault. But has it really been the full, the abundant life that Jesus came to give me? And mostly my answer is yes. Could I really expect more? But then something whispers within me. Could there, should there, be more. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. And at times I wonder how much the thief has been able to take from me. Worse still, I wonder how much I've simply handed over. Maybe in ignorance. How many lost opportunities? The last nine years at the chapel, I believe we've come such a long way. And I wonder how much more could we have done? How much more should we have done? It's not about looking back with regrets. But it's about looking back to learn so that what we learn from the past, what I learned from the past, will lead to a better tomorrow. I love the saying, and it's been attributed to a whole range of people, but life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. Back in the uh, King James Version, John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in the NIV, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And again, when Bill gets up to talk earlier on, he starts talking about this eternal and everlasting life, and I'm going, again, there's something that God wants to say in that. You see, the word everlasting has that connotation of going on and on and on, like some sermons do. Just on and on and on. But for me, sometimes everlasting life, I had one lady say to me, if heaven is about spending forever sitting on a cloud playing a harp, I don't want to go. And it's like, yeah, it kind of could get boring after the first. It's been that good you're out playing a harp, but even after the first, you know, 100, 500 years, it's going to get boring. It's not about everlasting. It's not about, as Bill said, it's not about just after you die. There's something about eternal life, which is very much here and now, as well as then and there. We tend to see the passing of time as a line. And so as long as I keep going forever, you know, the Bible tends to indicate that everybody's going to live forever. It's just where you're going to spend forever. But eternal life is about, it's about the quality, it's about the dynamics, about the intensity, it's about the fulfillment, the abundance of life. Not just about time passing. It's about the dynamics, not only of the moments, but of, 
it's not about how many moments, it's the dynamic in each moment. And, and if we live more in each moment, then over time the abundance of life will add up to so much more. So it can be good to look back over my life and declare, God, all my life you have been faithful. But when I look back over my life, I'm not looking back over a series of moments. Rather, I'm looking back over an accumulation of now moments. And God's goodness to me is probably the summation of a number of good now moments. But I wonder how many now moments could have been so different if God had been each in each one of those. So for me the question becomes not have I had a good life or have I had a bad life, but in this moment, in this today, am I living my best life? Or am I allowing the thief to steal, kill and destroy that which God has placed within me and that which God has given me? That which he came to give in this moment. Jesus said that he came to give me life in all its fullness. Life more abundant. And in this moment, am I living that life? So my mind goes to passages like Isaiah, one of my favourite passages of scripture. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. It's a powerful passage. And then I think of another passage from Isaiah 1 that Jesus quoted in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And this is where John 10.10 gets a little bit disturbing for me. I'm tempted to say, yes, I'm living my best life. And I think I'm living it to the full, giving it everything I have. But I find myself asking, does my fullness of life match up with the price that Jesus Christ paid to give me this fullness of life? You know, I'm standing here and I can see my car out there. I love my car. I've had that for... Bought in 2013. Last Sunday after the service, Mark said, can I take my boys out and show them your car? Because Mark got to travel with me. It's a lovely car. But that is not an exchange. That is not a fullness of life thing 
for what Christ did. Some of you have been to the house that God gave us here on the peninsula, looking out over the upper harbour, even if it does mean we've got Andy and the family downstairs. <laughs> and my other daughter just around the corner, God has been so good, but God, Jesus didn't come to give his life in that way just so that we can have a nice house, just so we can have family close together. I think that's part of it because he came to give us life in all its fullness. But there's got to be more than just the stuff. Am I walking in all that Jesus has done for me? And more importantly, am I walking in all that God has called me to do for others. I can't settle for the old questions I used to ask, is my life this year better than it was last year? Or the other really dangerous question is, is my life better than so-and-so up the road? That's very dangerous. The question is, am I living the abundant life that Jesus came to bring? Am I living the sort of life that Jesus gave his life for? Did the Son of God come and lay down his life on a cross so that I could have a reasonably good life? As Mark said last Sunday, this is not about my hopes and my dreams and my plans. This is about his hopes, his plans. The real measure is God's plans and purposes for my life. How would he define it? How would he define an abundant life for Brian Spicer? How would he define an abundant life for you? He came and gave his life that you might have life in all its fullness. And I get increasingly troubled that I settle for so much less. In 1 Corinthians, it's written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And again, I don't think that's about when we die. It includes that. I love all these people who sit back and tell us what heaven's going to be like. I just sit back and go, God, I ain't got a hope of imagining what heaven is like. We're going to be in your presence. But right now, I don't think most of us imagine what God wants to do in us and through us. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned this verse from Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Today, by God's grace, and the support and encouragement of so many of you, I complete nine years at the chapel. Those years have seen so many changes. As time has passed, there has been a growing sense that God is preparing this congregation 
for something new, something different. In the last few months, the number of people who have been come to me expressing that thought has grown. One person said to me, it's like a gate has been opened. My mind immediately went to a, to a plaque that I had, that I bought as about a 15-year-old, probably when I learnt this verse. I went to the Bible bookshop and I saw this plaque and it grabbed my attention. And this is what came to my mind when that person said, it's like a gate's been opened. And you'll recognise it if you were here a couple of weeks last Sunday. Because it's the verse, the poem that Marcus shared last Sunday. Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be better for you than light and safer than a known way. If you want to know how to have a life more abundant, put your hand into the hand of God and let him lead. Not the Friday just gone, the Friday before that I got a text from Gay. She wrote, very, very seldom do I get a prophecy like this. Usually I get the first line during worship. Her text then continued, if you think it's okay, I think you're meant to deliver it. So I texted back and said, you sure about the bit that I've got to bring it? I have a hesitation for a bunch of reasons why I'm not, I'd much rather Gay have just delivered this. But here is what God is saying. And I've learned over the years to trust that God, Gay, is listening to and hearing from God. Often I'll get a text from Gay and I say, God, Gay, was, was, was that just a thought or was that a word? She'll go, oh no, that was just a thought. Okay. But when Gay said, no, that was a word. God says, my glory has descended upon this place. Risen from the ashes, I have made all things new. Those who have been through the cleansing and those who have come anew, together you will see my glory. You will see miracles. You will see healing. As you join as one continually fasting and praying, you will witness my glory come to life. I am your comforter, I am your counsellor, I am your Lord of Lords, well pleased I am with my flock, well pleased am I. We have a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Now, if I remember right, that's the passage that goes on to say, that is the same power that God exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That power is the power that is at work within you and I. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And you wonder why I go, God, have I settled for so much less? Is that really, as I say, I've had a good life. I've seen some amazing things in my life. I've been privileged to go some places I would never have imagined. But I can't help thinking there's got to be so much more. 
Now you may be sitting there going, well that's all very interesting. Well if, if you're not convinced, that's fine. Because those again, those who have been here a while will know my first rule of preaching. Don't believe a word I say. Go home and check it out for yourself. This afternoon, maybe throughout this week, open your Bible to John 10.10 10, and have a chat with God about it. Ask him what that looks like in your life. Hopefully by about 2 o'clock this afternoon, if you want to listen back over what I have said, just in case I said something worthwhile, this should be up online. Have a look at the chapel website or um, email, email me for a link. It's easy to find. But talk to God about what he wants to do in your life. Not about your plans, as Mark said last week. Again, it's not about our plans, it's about his plans. And that's been so often probably where the devil's waste stolen so much of my life. Chasing my plans. Rather saying, God, what are your plans? Take me by the hand and lead, and lead me. Talk to God about what he wants to do in your life, remembering that what God does here in this place, in this church, and he has said he wants to do some amazing things, it is the overflow of what God will do in your life and your life and your life. Because we are the church. God can't do anything in here that we don't allow him to do in here. Okay. The verse for today. I have come that you might have life in all its fullness. Never be afraid to ask the question. How much more, God, would you have for me? We're going to talk more about this over the coming weeks. But in the meantime, is there an area of your life where you believe God wants to do abundantly more than you're experiencing at the moment? Or is there an area of your life where you need God to do more? There's an area of your life in which you're struggling, you're feeling the enemy is having a field day, robbing you of an abundant, full life. <coughs> Have a chat to God about that. Whatever that area is, name it. Talk to God about it. Every day, listen and learn to what the God says about it by his spirit and through his word and talk to others in the body of Christ. Bill nailed it. Listen to his spirit. Read his word. Continue in fellowship in the body of Christ. Every day then, choose how you will respond to what God says. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I'm waiting for God to tell me something. And I say, well, I think God told you that. Did you do that? Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm, waiting. I'm waiting for God to tell me something. It's like, do what he's told you, and then you will hear more. We hear more as we walk in obedience to him. An abundant life is not about being busy. It is about being fruitful. It is about being obedient. Remember, Jesus said, I am the vine, 
you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. The sort of fruit that he came to give his life for. Apart from me, he says, you can do nothing. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from the chapel in Teatitu. For more information about the chapel, please visit www.thechapel.org.nz or email info at thechapel.org.nz.